Blog Talk Radio. Anyone charged with a criminal matter has the right to have their case heard before. A judge or judicial officer of the court is entitled to a fair and public hearing by a competent, independent and impartial court. Have strict court rules enforced such as the right of reply, rules of evidence, and be found innocent or guilty beyond reasonable doubt. Yet, our most vulnerable can have their rights, assets, and decision-making rights removed by a public servant of the state, not a judge, in a tribunal setting that can ignore evidence and facts and determine matters as they see fit and conclude matters based on probabilities alone. Are you scared yet? Good evening, everyone, and welcome. We're so excited that you're tuning in tonight. We are going to have a great show. We're going to all feel really wonderful after today. It's a hard topic, but it's going to be a good topic. But before I introduce our guest, I need to update everyone about what's going on in Michigan. I have a positive story. I know this is a rare thing. I actually have a positive story. Shout out to the Michigan ACLU. Thank you so much. We had a uh, quite a little Facebook thing going on. It was, if you want to go and look at it, it's under Dana Nessel. She is the Attorney General for the state of Michigan. She is an elected official. You can go see what happened on September 22nd. Uh, many of advocates were posting messages. They were very professional messages. There was nothing against Facebook community standards. They're, they were basically trying to use our First Amendment rights to, you know, address our grievances with our elected officials. And the comments were taken down off the Facebook page. Now, I did have this. Um, we had several people log on to Facebook, and we they were they were those comments were not there although the attorney general is trying to say that they were they were not there and i did have a computer a cybersecurity specialist actually log in and that the comments were gone contacted the michigan aclu and we filed a complaint and at first we got you know the canned response but then Later that evening, uh, this was all done on Monday, later that evening, I got an actual response from a real person, and they took this very seriously. They said this is something that they are going to start fighting. This sort of battle has already gone to the United States Supreme Court, and they will possibly be calling me back to testify about this stuff. Um, and I know other people were filing complaints. And they must have contacted Dana Nessel's, uh, Dana Nessel's office and told her that she's in violation of our First Amendment rights. So all the comments have been put back on Facebook, sent an, a letter claiming that I obviously didn't realize that, the, that it was the Facebook algorithm. So obviously politicians lie. We're used to that. But no, the comments were deleted. But they were put back, and then she did say, you know, that she loves hearing, you know, everything that we're, you know, she cares. She cares a lot. But anyway, we're going to also give her credit because that very day she went, and this was, I believe, Wednesday, she went in front of all the legislators in Michigan, and she testified about abusive guardianship. And for that, we are very grateful so we are have very much grateful for the Michigan ACLU, and we are grateful for Attorney General Dana Nessel to have finally listened to our complaints and went and testified about them. Let's hope that we get some resolve. And in Michigan, you go and follow the Justice for Betty Hayes movement. That's the everyone in Michigan is 
following Justice for Betty Hayes. It's very organized. If you are listening from Michigan, this is where you're going to connect with other victims in your state. So basically, um, they've just done a great job on social media. They have over 10,000 followers on Facebook. I think that many on TikTok, they're on Twitter. They've really done a great job getting the message out about this terrible atrocity that's going on in guardianship through social media. So definitely connect with the Justice for Betty Hayes movement there out of Michigan. And you don't have to live in Michigan to follow this movement. It's open for everyone worldwide. So thank you. And with that, I am so excited to introduce our guest today. We've been friends for a lot, a lot of years. Deb Rosman, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I'm so excited Congratulations. I'm so excited to have that you. Would be, oh, I know. I know. Oh. We haven't uh, uh, shared physical uh, space in too, too long. Yeah, we, we go back a lot of years. You. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, you know, a, a, a couple when we were 10. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, congratulations, by the way, on the Michigan win. And I... Before we get too far down uh, the pike here, I, I want to thank you so, so much for thinking of me and, and to inviting me on your program. And I, um, I love the fact that you've got Marty on the intro. Uh, she's, she's still steering from the other side of the veil. So thank you. You do so much incredible work. And I know your personal story and you and I have, uh, you know, talked about your your this show, what Marty started, what you've uh, taken taken the mantle on and and the torch, and continue on the good fight. And I just, you know, I am so overwhelmed with the work that you do. And and it's nice to have a bit of good news with Michigan. And thank you so much for having me on. Oh, my gosh, thank you. Now I'm already, like, starting to cry. I have to brag on Deb. Um, we both live in the Madison, Wisconsin area, and we, when she had her book that was first out, we did a, um, you did a private poetry reading, and then we also, mm-hmm. you were there doing the, um, the Breast Cancer Awareness, which is October, which I had at one time for about eight years, I ran a bakery, Rosie's Coffee Shop and um, Bakery in uh, Monona, and my mom died of breast cancer, so I named the bakery after her, and October is Breast Cancer Awareness, and we did a big fundraiser for the Carbone Center. And Deb was there mm-hmm. on hand with her books and just talking with people. And you were giving them out for free, which was so amazing. But there's one, there's one situation that I, this so sticks out to me. And I remember that you left the books and you said, um, you can hand these out to your customers for free for whoever comes in. And I think it was several months had gone by and they were up on a little shelf that I had and a customer had come in and had seen them and had, you know, asked, you know, well, what's, what's with these? And I, I said, the author has left those there. Though you, you can have that for free. And she had just left the hospital and, you know, just in a sad situation in your book. I remember, I, I hope you remember when I told you, told you about this. She's mm-hmm. just bawling in the bakery and your book just meant so much to her. And I know that that what we talk about tonight is going to mean so much to so many people. I wanted to dedicate this show tonight to especially Brandy um, in our community. We have seen that, you know, she suffered the loss of her mother this week. I definitely want to dedicate this show tonight to Brandy. Also, I've seen a lot of um, sadness going on with um, Poochie's daughter, Brenda, with Aldona, who's celebrating the anniversary of her mother's passing in guardianship. We have Diane out of Newcastle, Pennsylvania, is really going through a lot right now with the passing of her mother. And Brad Brad Sharp and everything that's going on with his family. We just want to dedicate this show tonight to all of you to know that Right now, you're fighting. Things are, you know, all this uh, corrupt guardianship. But you know what? The grieving time is really going to hit, especially when your loved one passes away. 
And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And, Deb, you are the perfect person to be here tonight to talk about that. Why don't you first talk about your first book that you've published, and it's called The Grieving Heart. And just let us let everyone know what it, what is It's an international sensation. Please tell us about it. Well, um, just, uh, oh, yes, thank you. Uh, actually, the international, uh, that, was, that was a collective, a collective work called It Is Done. I am still I am still working at getting uh, the uh, the word out on the grieving hearts. As you know, well, you know my book, Sent to Back. <laughs> you are my, one yeah. of my one of my biggest supporters uh, right from day one. And um, that said, um, I still I'm still calling the grieving heart, which is in currently two forms: the original and also a journal edition. I do have in the pipeline a third and final edition just called The Journey, and, and then I will be moving on to other things. But I still call it The Best Kept Secret. So maybe after tonight and, and your amazing listeners, maybe we can uh, get away from calling it The Best Kept Secret. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Um, I, yes, yes, yes. So... Um, I do want to, um, well, I'm going to be sharing several pieces. We'll, we'll be talking. Hopefully we'll have maybe some, some input from, from your, your listeners. But I do want to start off by telling the listeners that you had shared with me that on top of grief, uh, um, sadly, Tragically, even a lot of your listeners have guilt, which just compounds the whole process, right? And yeah. um, and I I even have a piece I was flipping through my book is you know how when you create something and 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 you yeah. kind of think oh of course I know I know everything in there I I wrote the book and it's like I flipped through and I saw a piece where I referenced guilt and it's like I don't remember writing that, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I did. I absolutely did. So yeah. uh, we're gonna we're gonna share that among a few other pieces. But I, there are three things. I have three very big asks of your listeners. Three big requests. Okay. For tonight. For tonight, I'm going to ask right. everyone, particularly anyone who is uh, feeling guilt connected to the passing of their loved one. Guilt is like a brick wall. And it makes it so difficult to process, especially the grief itself. So for the, the time that everyone is with it, you know, in our care, my dear friend, I'm going to ask that people, and go to such a strong feeling, but just suspend it. Just suspend it during this broadcast. The second thing. Get I rid of the guilt. Is that, is it, yeah. So it, it, you know, I mean, that, a lot of times I think therapy probably really helps. <laughs> But I, I, uh, I'm a fan. However, just, just for the, this broadcast, suspend any guilt feeling that you have uh, because it, it's, it's an impediment to the grieving process itself, and that's a little bit what we're more focused on this evening. The second thing that I'm asking the listeners, if you haven't already, to embrace the grieving process. And I suspect that a lot of the listeners, with all of the other complications, are probably good at having tucked their personal grief way, way down, stuck it way, way down, so that uh, often the people around them, you know, and part of it's a coping me- mechanism. I recognize that. You know, we have to, we have to, you know, get up every morning, brush our teeth, and 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 and, and go through the motions. And so sometimes it's easier just to package that so sad. Um, feelings, uh, and, and it's not just sadness either, to, to just tuck it all away. <laughs> but I, if you haven't already, I want you to seriously consider embracing the grieving process. I marvel at the fact how, how grief, the mere, the mere mention of grieving and death, it makes those around us so uncomfortable. And sadly, that kind of lends itself to people kind of just, oh, I'll just tuck it away. And, and sometimes we can be so good at tucking it away 
that we're not really processing it. And, and the reason why it's important to embrace the grief is because that is the first step to working your way through it to the other side. Because I think one of the best ways to honor a loved one lost is to find your way back to living a full and joyful life. And finally, the third ask is to be open. I want your listeners, if they're not already, to be very open to the concept. I work with one of my favorite uh, laws of physics, and the lesson that it teaches is that energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only change form. To me, you know, it might be the poet in me, I recognize the human spirit, the soul, as a form of energy. And actually, I believe there's actually scientific uh, data on that anymore that does recognize you know, our essence, our spirit, our soul, our personality, et cetera. It is a form of energy. Everything is energy. So recognizing that the human spirit, soul, is a form of energy, my, my poet's interpretation of that law of physics is that our essence remains intact and can even be reconnected with, albeit not in our, in our favorite physical form, like a big hug. So it's not the same. But um, anyway, that's, that's what I'm asking, those three very big asks. And, and before I share my, my opening piece, which is my signature piece, I Am Not Gone, did, did you have some feedback for me on, on the things that I'm asking of you and the listeners? Sounds, sounds good. I'm going to read off the call-in number. We are accepting calls, and the number is 917-388-4520. So if you are listening on the Internet, you will have to call in on a cell phone. I can't hear, I can't see you trying to get in on the Internet. And press 1, and you can talk live. I do know, Deb, that a lot of, I, I've heard this um, when I've had some really, like, deep, um, topics that sometimes people are so triggered they do have a hard time calling in so we totally understand but everyone will be trying to connect with you after so but yeah if anyone is feeling it and is and feels strong enough to call in please do and Deb are you going to read your signature one for everyone I always just sit your poetry is is so amazing and I'm just like, I'm going to be like sitting here crying. I might have to put the mute on. <laughs> but I'm excited. Take it away with your signature one. Yes, yes. We're going we're gonna to start off. I've got about three pieces uh, that I think you'll uh, hopefully have time to, to do. Because as you know, I am a, uh, a conservator of words when it comes to my, my poetry and prose. I'm a minimalist that, that way. But uh, the piece really embodies uh, the losses that I was just talking about. And I'll just dive right into it. It's entitled, I Am Not Gone. Even though my body gave out and I am no longer around, I am not gone. You, my child, you're still so young. I pray you'll never feel that I abandoned you or that you are all alone. I I'm not gone. It's not just your memories of me that will keep me alive. Although thinking about how much I love you and how proud I am of you is good, there are other sources, factors, helpers that will be there for you when you need me. I am not gone. They will constantly come and go from your life. So there can never be another me. But be there for you, they will be co-workers, friends, relatives, and many more, providing you with comfort, advice, and care. So while it is true, I've left this realm. I'm still watching over you. And with my helpers, my agents, if you will, I'm still there to guide you and advise you. I am not gone. When you miss me, just stand silently and listen to my voice beating inside you. My voice sings in the wind, 
and will resound in others too, my helpers, for I am not gone. Aw, thank you. And that is, that's so true. It's so hard in the here and now, like, you know, I don't have any parents and um, it's, yeah. And I, yeah, even though it's been over a decade, I still think about them and miss them. But sometimes it seems like the farther you get away from when the actual occurrence happened, the less it stings and hurts and you're able to um, cherish the memories more without breaking down. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I actually, in one of my pieces, and I, and I reference it, uh, <laughs> quoting myself, I guess, that uh, tears are the pressure valve to the soul. And with them can come some relief. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, I love the fact that you're, I miss your bakery, by the way. <laughs> you, you are uh-huh. a gifted artist in, 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 in the kitchen. <laughs> and um, and I especially remember the amazing uh, giant cinnamon rolls the size of your head. If you had a very big head, actually, and uh, that that was part of our, you know, cinnamon roll for breast cancer awareness and with the pink crush thing, I believe, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and a copy of book. A little, and we, yep, a copy of book, and we had a little cookie. I bought that cutter, the little awareness ribbon, and then you had a little aware, yeah. you had a cookie on top of your, on top of your, um, your cinnamon roll. And I remember one of my reps came in and she was a breast cancer survivor. She didn't even know I was doing it. And she's so touched by the fact that we did it. And we raised, we raised a few hundred dollars for the UW Carbone Center here in Madison, Wisconsin. And both my parents Mm -hmm. had, you know, as um, positive experience that you can have going through um, the Carbone Center, even my dad, one of his nurses came to the funeral. I mean, I would have to say at the UW Carbone Center that I felt like they weren't just there doing a job. They were also there for you as a person. Mm-hmm. And so um, I know Carbone Center does some of the, some of the top research in the world on cancer. And we're very, we're very blessed to have such a amazing hospital here, you know, that, that we all, you know, it's a big research hospital and it's been, a, the Carbone Center is one of the, is just one of the tops. So thank you. Anyone from Madison nurses that work over there at the Carbone Center, you're very much appreciated. All right. Deb, you got to do another one. I'm trying to remember. Oh, what one do you think? <laughs> what one have you well, uh, we are uh, in the, uh, what, a, a day, two days at this point away from, well, one day really, away from October 1st, and that being, of course, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and yes, the Carbone Center is incredible, and I I think it's important that uh, while, while you and your organization are fighting the good fight for the people that that take advantage and abuse and, and you know, are criminal, that there are so many wonderful people, caregivers, institutions that are, you know, the opposite of that. And certainly the Carbone Center uh, would be an example. So I'm going to share my next piece that I'm going to share is entitled A Gift. And this uh, this one uh, was written, uh, it, writing is one of my, one of the things that I do. That's, it's one of my modalities, if you will, and we can actually talk a little bit later for those that um, are just really stuck, you know, and it's like, you know, what kinds of things might I be able to do in a moment-by-moment situation when I'm really, really struggling? So we'll, we'll come back to some of those modalities, but for myself, one of the ones that I do is journaling or writing, and in my case, it turns out poetry. <clears throat> but this, this one is called A Gift. And I'm just going to dive right in. Okay. I've been walking along the beach, along the Long Island Sound. I was thinking and missing my sister, Sherry, 
perhaps because it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Ironically, every month since we lost her has become Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Sherry was such a delight. She was light, love, generosity, sweetness, and kindness. I miss her so much. Funny how things shift when you can no longer reach out and touch. I recently had my own annual mammogram, and I'm happy to say everything is fine. But I'm feeling a bit blue, a little down, perhaps a tiny bit guilty, too. To help clear my mind, I've been walking along the shores of the sound. At one point, I happened to look down and spot a tiny treasure half buried in the sand, a small shard of pottery with an intricate, delicate design painted on it in a faded rose color. <laughs> Thanks, Noah. There, like a gift sent to me from you, it had washed up onto the shore and it was nestled with the other shells and stones in the sand, reminding me you haven't left me completely. Only this realm, the physical, I start to feel better. Once I picked up my treasure, marveling at what I held in my hands, to my absolute delight, a beautiful dog came racing toward me, reminding me of you. Because it was so deliciously friendly, the dog's owner yelled over an apology, but all I could do was laugh. So I watched as this lovely curly-haired dog raced back to its owner, who then locked the tennis ball directly into the sound. I was witnessing life being celebrated as it ought to be by a beautiful dog bounding, splashing exuberantly after a ball most, most joyously. I can only thank you, Sherry, for this moment and for the gift that you left me nestled in the sand. Oh, I love that. It's, it's so perfect for going into Breast Cancer Awareness Week and, you know, especially that's what got my mom. So Mm -hmm. I think about, when I think about people, I think I talked about this on a different show, but I heard it on, it was like a sermon that I was listening to and they were talking about bridges. And the old man was, you know, building this bridge and the guy came along and he's like, why are you bothering to do this? He goes, you're never you're going to get across, but you're just wasting your time, like, fixing this bridge up because you're never going back because because you're old and you're never going to be able to go back over this bridge. And he said, I'm not mm-hmm. building the bridge for me. I'm building the bridge for the person who's coming after me. And I often think, like, <laughs> like Marty, like, built that bridge. Like, the fact that, you know, we're still – running her her network like she built this bridge for all of us who are running all the different shows on the network and um what do you do you have like an insight on that kind of that concept of building a bridge for somebody else that is so gorgeous first and foremost and thank you uh for sharing that it is a it, it's a it's a perfect iteration right um and almost a bit of a parable as well. I (laughs) love that concept. I love that concept of building the bridge. And it's like, no, 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 you you misunderstand. It's not for me uh, to to cross back over. It's for those coming after me to follow. And one of the ways I look at all of those, um, you know, first we think of the ones that we have, have been the closest to, who have made their transition. In our case, certainly, my friend, you and I, we, we are orphans now. <laughs> and I did yeah. it only because of our age. <laughs> we are yeah. orphans now. But, you know, so obviously yeah. we, we think of our parents. We think of, you know, siblings, aunts, uncles, and, and the people that we genuinely knew. Other times we might be thinking of, you know, uh, historical figures, uh, figures that were significant to us. Or, um, or maybe we, we think of, or maybe you've done 23andMe and you, you have this fabulous family tree that goes back, you know, multiple generations. 
and and the way I look at it, once we transition from physical back into non-physical, physical, because I do believe that that's where we stem, that's where we spring forth from, is from non-physical in through our parents into physical, and and that we have our essence. And um, you know, everyone can can picture you know their own their own uh, wisdom, their own truth, their own beliefs. And I'm not trying to sell anyone on anything. I'm just uh, sharing what what uh, resonates for me. And it also ties in with that with that law of physics: energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only change form. If you take nothing else away from this evening. Take that away. Your loved one still I would thought, is. Uh-huh. The, the energy, and, 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 I love. I, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, I was saying you're the first person who told me that, that energy one. And my sister has a Ph.D. in the sciences. And I explained that to her. And she's like, that's really cool because, you know, a scientist, you're not like what you're saying isn't like a made up thing. It's actual science. And people need to know that. that Yeah. You can't create energy and energy doesn't die. It, it just, it, it, it transfers. It's just Changes always, him. you know, transferring. Yep. Yeah. So and, I uh, think of that bridge, that bridge story as, as you know, I, I because I also sincerely believe, you know, I'm not gifted in in reading energy, but I, I I know that there are many people who are very sensitive, right, and and right. can feel the connection of a loved one, and um, or even the the piece that I just read, right, a gift. I genuinely thank my sister. I mean, what are the odds? Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yeah. I'm grieving her. I go for a walk, and I've gone for many walks along the same path. But on that particular day, in in a, a delicate pink design on a shard nestled in the sand, yeah. it was my sister, you know, reaching across the veil out to me to reassure me, yes, she's gone physically, but she's not gone. Hence my first piece. So if you take nothing away from this evening, enjoy the yeah. concept of my of my poet's interpretation of what your sister, the scientist, knows to be true in, in physics. A law of physics energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only change form. I do view, I like to think of when I'm having a good day and I'm feeling particularly in tune I, I, I like to thank gratitude, right? I like to thank all who have come before me. And I know that on, on a good day when I'm feeling open and connected, that I'm connecting with all of them, with all of their wisdom, with all of their love. Your loved one, yes, is done physically. And we are carbon-based beings. We are physical creatures. Nothing is going to replace that hug. But yeah, they are not gone, and 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 by embracing the grief process, you get a step closer to being able to soothe yourself, and hopefully those that you know maybe get a chance to to view my book, you know, it's filled with a lot of prose that cause you've been so generous to to share. Uh, I know that the pieces resonate with you, and that they've helped soothe when you're you know particularly missing mom or now mom, dad, and, and whoever. And that's the point. You know, that's the purpose of the piece is I, I, I do writing for my own processing. And, and from that, you know, I think people can find some, some soothing, some self-soothing, some relief. I consider my book, along with currently being the best kept secret, I consider it to be a silent companion to a person's grief process. Yeah, you have my book. It's, 
I do. I do. I probably have several copies of it. I have an autographed copy. You, you know, we had we had a guest on, like talking about books, we had a guest on last week, and she was in this abusive situation, and she just kept writing about it. And before you knew it, she had a manuscript, and she's, you know, this published it and everything, real exciting. What what is that process of getting to the point where you're actually going to publish something? Like, what, like, this was your first thing that you ever published, and what, yes. like, how'd you do it? Like, how'd you do it? Like, <laughs> I just find it so fascinating. I mean, there are several ways, and I did what, uh, back in the day, they called vanity press, although fortunately, uh, the self-publishing process has become uh, very uh, cost-effective because poetry does have a tendency to come in and out of fashion. And while I think it's just brilliant to embrace poetry, <laughs> for me personally, yeah. Cahill Gibran was my go-to when I was encountering uh, grief as a young person, you know, in, in like probably 15, 16, 17 years old, I discovered Cahill Gibran, and he has uh, a gorgeous piece. I mean, he's, he's long since transitioned himself, but fortunately, because he had a, a wonderful publisher, and we have a lot of his work remaining, my, my personal favorite of his is A Tear and a Smile. And Aww. I don't have it in front of me, but... But effectively, if I wouldn't exchange the tears of sadness for the joys of the multitude, I would in, instead prefer that life is a tear and a smile. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous piece. It's actually a full book, but a tear and a smile is the title piece. And it resonates. And, and anything, honestly, that can bring you modicum of relief, you know, one of the reasons why people will opt to box up their emotions, their feelings, the trauma, and stuff it way down uh, and pack it away is, is you know, it, it is painful. And so I'm yeah. asking people to embrace the uncomfortable because when you do, it is the first step to healing. Now, for me, um, the way the book came about is because it is one of my my um, modalities. It is one of my processes for 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 understanding and 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 sometimes you know getting those those strong emotions out of my out of my heart space and out of my head onto a page where I can better deal with it. So that's one of the reasons why for me journaling and. And writing uh, is, is a good modality for me. It's not for everyone. But um, I, I've been writing for a number of years, and I was also doing theater, because as you know, I, I, I still work as an entertainer. <laughs> and yes. um, and uh, carved out that space after I left corporate America. <laughs> but um, that said, I, I had written you know, pieces to understand myself. I had started to write pieces on behalf of coworkers and friends. And uh, with my theater buddies, we'd get together every now and then for, for, you know, some food and conversation. And so I'd share my latest piece. And one of my, one of my friends, Paula Coco, isn't that a great name? Paula Coco. She'd been a stand-up comedian, I believe, in the 70s. It's kind of like her, her, uh, Crime as far as stand-up comedy, 70s and into the early 80s. And um, just a brilliant, brilliant uh, playwright, actually. She, she wrote wonderful things, and I performed some of, her, some of her pieces in New Haven, Connecticut. And I'd be sharing these pieces now, like, any, like so many um, artists, so many creatives. You understand this, my friend. Yeah. She needed a day job. So she, she, she worked at uh, Border Books for over 20 years. Now, some people might not recognize that name. It's gone to the wayside uh, along with the dodo. But uh, it was a brick and mortar similar to Barnes & Noble, which, by the way, I'm thrilled that my book is carried online by Barnes and & Noble and, and any fine, reputable online retailer. 
But that said, she, she said, you know, you really need to put, put those together. You need to put those together in a collection because in her 20 years at Barnes and at, at Border Books, she was saying she couldn't tell me how many times people came up to her and asked her what they had on breathing. And I guarantee you, they were not looking for the more clinical seven stages of grief. Nothing against that book. It's lovely. It serves a <laughs> yeah. purpose. They were looking more for something like I was doing. And so it, that was, oh, Allie, ten years, a mere 10 years or so later, I finally had it put together. Uh, my friend, Kathleen, who you've met, my editor, uh, and that's a, that's a unique skill set to edit uh, poetry. It's like telling, um, telling a painter, it's like, eh, that needs less blue. <laughs> oh, yeah, so that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a unique gift because to, to, I consider myself a painter with words but, uh, but yeah. so we, we, anyway, the book was created and, and actually through Amazon originally I used KDP Kindle Direct Publishing and I launched in uh, 2019 in June and then I ended up coming out with a journal edition which I ended up doing through Ingram Spark and if someone also writes as part of their process and at some point, you know, kind of gets it put together and, and, and eventually thinks, you know, I, this might help people. Uh, definitely pitch to a proper publishing house. But at the time, 2019, and I would say even currently, poetry, again, is, is still while it never completely goes away or goes completely out of fashion, it, it's not, uh, it, it's a difficult thing to get a, a, a regular, you know, a Simon & Schuster or, or uh, you know, the, the other big, you know, one of the big publishing houses to, to take on. Definitely pitch it to a publishing house or two, but um, if you've got something, you want to share your story, you want to share your guardianship story, when, when, you know, as you know, your journaling is part of your process. And again, it helps get it out of your heart and out of your head. And once it is physically on a page, it can be more manageable. And that, you know, if you find that you've got something like this, there are amazing, amazing um, do-it-yourself, you know, the, the, the independent uh, publishers. That you can, and you can even, you know, hire someone to edit and create a book cover and things like that. And um, so that's how the Breathing Heart, a collection of poetry and prose about lost hope and living, was born. Wow, I love your cover. It's, I, it's, I don't, I, I don't think oh, I have the, I have the picture of you, but I have. I have the website in the promo, so everyone can go and click on the website and look at the cover of the book. It's just, it's like a heart, but it, I don't know. I, you guys just have to look at it. I love what you did with it. It's just really wonderful. Now, we only have about 15 minutes, so we need another, we need another poem read to us. What do you have for us? Uh, let's see. Uh, in 15 minutes, we can actually get, get through. I'm going to do two. I'm going to give you a choice. Okay. I'm going to, there's greetings from the other side, and I'm not expecting you to remember it. It's not a pop quiz. Uh, okay. But it does touch on, it touches on guilt. There's a shorter piece called When I Am Gone, and then I will end, I'll wrap up with the grieving heart, the title piece. So, but uh, before the title piece, I've got When I Am Gone, a little bit philosophical, okay. or greetings from the other side. What, what's your pick? Um, I pick greetings from the other side. Excellent. <laughs> um, all right. So, regardless of what faith one has, if any, most of us have experienced things that are difficult to explain. Things like, after my grandmother died in 1979 over Christmas break, unbeknownst to me, my mother had packed a number of items which belonged to Graham into my things when I returned to college, including some items from her hospital room, the one that she passed in. Personally, I felt tremendous guilt 
because I only visited her one time. She was my first close relative to pass, and seeing her in that hospital bed was more than my 19 years could bear. Discovering her things mixed in with mine was extremely upsetting to me, and I experienced a series of hauntings. Nothing malicious, but I was in a bad way, not sleeping. Finally, one afternoon, coming back after class, I was sitting on my bed, absent-mindedly running Graham's hair pick through my permed hair, when somehow I stabbed myself in the eye. Immediately, I felt blood, what, what I thought might be blood, a flood of warm fluid running down my face, dropping the pick. I spoke out loud to my grandmother. I know you're trying to reach me from the other side, and I miss you so much, but this must immediately over many years since being no longer afraid and confident I have continued to lose loved ones but now my experiences with their crossing the veil has become well a welcome thing they're returning to source as I will one day as we all will one day I'm sure most people can relate to such stories, but there is one story which is not mine, and I'm going to tell it anyway. It's about sisters sharing a, a close bond. When one of them passed in the wee hours of a Sunday morning, 2 a.m. to be exact, one of the sisters left behind in the physical realm received a phone call. Despite the hour and through blurry eyes, she recognized her sister's telephone number. It was the one who had already passed, she answered, there was no one there. Is that really true? I believe her sister was there, but just beyond the reach, just beyond the pale. For all of you who may be struggling, believe this one thing, your loved ones are all around you. Sit quietly and feel them around you. For those of us who are lucky enough to already be fully aware, take great delight in the many ways our loved ones find to reach out to us from the other side. And it is the light and love that we receive this precious greeting. Okay. I you remember that piece? <laughs> Yes, I do. Well, I try. I just I try all the time. It was so powerful. I remember when I was at your first reading. Um, it it's just it. I just you just feel peace. Like you know, so many of us we have so much anger and and you know because justice is denied and the guilt and you know just to like have that peace to just know like um I guess a way to think about it is. When you think about when you plant a seed, like if we're the seed, like a flower, you know, the seed on a flower, the flower dies and then the seed is left and it falls around into the cold, cold ground, but yet it springs up into new life. And so I've I've often thought about like we're in the seed process and that death might be when we're just put in that cold, cold ground, but we're going to spring up into something more magnificent than what we see and what we hear and what we are. And I do feel having, having a faith and a hope that there's, that there's definitely more than what, what we see, what meets the eye can really give us that, that closure to everything that we've gone through. Yeah. That gives that closure to everything that we've done. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We've got got another one. We do. Are are you ready to read another one? Okay. I'm ready to read. I'm I'm actually ready to read two more because the one is so very short. And then, like I said, we'll wrap with my my, uh, signature piece, uh, The Grieving Heart. But... When I am gone, I consider myself death positive, by the way. (laughs) But anyway, we can go into that on another show. When I am gone, miss me just a little. Remember my laugh a lot. Think of my smile and my love for you every day. Regret nothing. 
at all. When I am gone, as we all must move on, think of the wonderful stories that I told you. Forget any oversight. As we're humans, we are flawed, so forgive my indiscretion. When I'm gone, spread my ashes over a beautiful and tranquil spot, leave me to rejoin the earth, and then let me go and walk away. When I am gone from this physical realm, know this, my love will never end. No one more thing. We will be together again. For this closing door only opens another. I love it. It's yeah, it makes us think and, that we too are gonna be gone someday and what legacy are we leaving for others? I think we have mm-hmm. to focus on that when we're so angry about the loss that we've experienced, like in the abusive guardianship, but that we need to focus that our life still has meaning and we can still positively influence others. And I think that, that what you just read really is a reminder to me about that. Well, I'm dovetailing with that. And that's one of the reasons why my first ask was to let the guilt and, and actually you added um, also the anger to suspend it or, you know, absolutely it's a practice skill. You're not going to just go, oh, I'm not, I'm not feeling angry anymore. No, you, you have every right to yeah. feel angry. But just understand that, you know, try and hasten that process any way that you can, whether it's therapy, constantly getting out in nature, journaling. These are all fabulous modalities that people can use just in, in this routine grieving process. And when you've got when you've got horrific things like your listeners have gone through or are going through, the anger being prominent, I, yeah. would, I would say this. I would say this, that the moment that they transition, the moment they make that transition from physical back into non-physical, their suffering has ended. Now, it's not to say that, that the people who did horrific things should be held accountable. That's not what I'm suggesting. But for you personally, I think we've all heard a lot, you know, that, you know, one of the reasons why forgiveness is preached a lot is because it's not necessarily forgiving the wrongdoer, it's so that you can move on, so that you can move on and find peace. So in this case, you can move on to the next step and embrace the grief. Because your loved one, from that moment that they draw that last breath, their suffering is over. And, And the sooner that you can process, whether it's, and it's going to be a combination of things, I'm sure, you know, to get to that point. But the sooner that you can you know, get to the, you know, just being able to focus on the grieving process itself and, and, and to start working through the grief. Again, my, I had an epiphany one day when grieving my father. And his was just, he lived a great life. You know, he died peacefully at home. You know, way to go, Frank. But... Um, you know, I felt like if I, if I wasn't actively, morbidly grieving his loss day in and day out, that I was somehow dishonoring his memory. And one day I woke up uh, with an absolute knowing. I didn't hear his voice. There was no visit in a dream. I just knew that I had it backwards. I had it backwards. My constant grieving, my constant this, was not honoring him. My working through and getting to the other side, hey, Frank was a rat pack kind of guy. And, and when I was able to get back in life and, and live joyfully, that honored Frank. And on that note, I'm going to share my that. last piece with you if it's all right. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, and thank so, you. So, title piece, The Grieving Heart. The grieving heart is a heavy heart, but there's the weight of a loss. It can feel like a broken heart, which at times is angry, frightened, and confused. The grieving heart requires special handling because it is so bruised, but given time, it will mend. What is most important for the grieving heart to know is that it must be allowed time and space to grieve. The grieving heart 
is a giving heart that can find ways to turn the pain into a means of affecting a positive future while honoring the loved one lost to them. The grieving heart is a hopeful heart that one day we will find a cure, build the ballpark, or break ground on a new museum for the grieving heart knows no bounds to its creativity. It will put into words, pictures, paintings, songs, sculptures, dance, and legislation, whatever it takes to remember their loved ones. The grieving heart is so full of love, which is what causes it to hurt so much until it's had time to grieve and thus heal. The grieving heart is everyone's heart from time to time. So find your way to turn this loss into an action that will honor the one for whom you grieve today. Create a legacy of love for them that you can leave behind. And then when you're ready, but not before it's time, walk away from your grieving heart and do what honors the one lost to you the most. Live your life. I, that's the perfect one to end with. I hope everyone really enjoyed this as much as I enjoyed this. We just have a few minutes left. Deb, thank you so much. Uh, would you real quick let everyone know your website where they can purchase the book? Uh, well, to purchase the book, uh, again, it's available on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble. It uh, is not, I, presently I don't think there are any places carrying any physical copies, but you can certainly get it, Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon, really any online vendor. You, you'd be able to just uh, do a search. Uh, and, and The Grieving Heart is a popular title, so you do have to put in by Deb Rossman, uh, but and, and yes, you can certainly get the link to both um, Barnes and Noble and Amazon. You know, my two go-to's primarily that I reference. They are available uh, just you know to have a nice little click to get to it on my website, which is Deb Rossman, all one word. That is D E B R like red O S like Sam M A N Deb Rossman dot com. And you can also find out what else I'm up to. Thank you so much, Deb. I just want to remind everyone that these shows are brought to you by ASGA, the Australian Association to Stop Guardianship and Administrative Abuse, NASCA, the National Association to Stop Guardianship Abuse, Shenanigans in the Montgomery County Facebook, um, Facebook page, and also Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit. And we will be back next week with John LaCron, and we will be discussing corrupt politicians, and the recent Senator Mendez and being tried for treason and uh, all these other sorts of things that are going on. But it was so nice to pause this week and reflect and take away some of the anger and just have a beautiful, a beautiful evening of poetry to help us heal, to help us focus, and to help us not hold on to so much. And Deb, thank you so much for that. this reminder that we all need to have to always look at the things that we can be grateful for and not always feel like we have to hold on to all the anger. And definitely our heart goes out to everyone who is grieving, but just know life can, like, life can still be good. It might not be today. But it, it can still be good. There is hope. Thanks, Deb. Any there last words hope, before friend. we head on out? Yeah. Um, my, uh, one of the things that um, is, is so powerful, one of the modalities that is so powerful for pretty much anyone that I've, I've uh, talked to that, uh, that, that works or functions, uh, operates in the grief space, and, and, and even just stress in general, including anger and guilt and whatever, nature, nature. If you can, you know, if you find yourself overwhelmed and you have the ability and opportunity to get out into nature, it, it is uh, it's one of the 
most effective healing balm that uh, is available to everyone's soul. So love, love is the most important thing. And again, it's the, it's the, uh, it's the heart, right? It's the beautiful heart that breaks. And so give yourself, give yourself some slack. And, and again, if need be, I know that there are great organizations like one of the ones I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with is BetterHelp. It's online. Um, if you, if you uh, maybe are shy or never had therapy or how to connect or anything else. So uh, I, I, I get no residuals for giving them a shout out, but uh, they do good work. So um, I just, uh, if I, I'm, I'm emotionally, I'm, I'm, I'm just hugging everybody who needs it. And, and I can't wait to hug you in person. My beautiful friend. I can't Absolutely. Thank you so much, Deb. We've run out of time. Thank you, everyone who tuned in and everyone who will be listening later on on all the platforms. We appreciate you all so much, everyone. Have a great evening. Thank you, Deb. Good night, everyone. Good night.